0: In partnership, again, with the HBCU Experience Movement and their new book that's coming out this June, the HBCU Experience, the Southern University System Edition, I am interviewing the some of the co-authors of this book, and I hope you enjoy all of these episodes in this season to help out the HBCUs and spread awareness for HBCUs. I would like to introduce you to a Lyric Jones. He also likes to be called Al. Al hails from the great city of Alexandria, Louisiana, where he attended Peabody Magnet School. He is a graduate of Southern University and A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where he received his BS in chemistry. He also received his MS in chemical engineering, from Prairie View A&M University in Prairie View, Texas. Al currently lives in the city of Houston, Texas, where he works as a process engineer in the oil and gas industry. Al is a member of the Southern University Alumni Association Houston chapter. He also gives back to his university by being a season ticket holder for the football and baseball teams. He was initiated into the Beta Sigma chapter of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated at Southern University. In his fraternity, he held the position of international undergraduate representative to the Supreme Council. He gives back in the city of Houston by helping increase the participation of African-American youth in sports, in the sport of baseball by mentoring and hosting camps. Along with sports, he also volunteers to help promote STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math among African-American youth. Al loves to watch sports and is an avid Southern University and Saints fan. Can
1: I unbox for what you're trying to say? Right. So,
0: I mean, we'll just go ahead and get into it. So uh, tell me about your HBCU experience, because I am a uh, educator. I work in a a high school and a lot of my students uh, are looking at HBCUs. And um, just uh, tell me about yourself and how you got to where you are through your HBCU experience.
1: Okay, Uh, so first of all, my name is Allery Jones. Everybody calls me Al. So I was born and raised in Alexandria, Louisiana, which is in the middle of the state, um, two hours from Baton Rouge and about three hours from New Orleans. Um, I graduated high school in about 2010, and that's when I kind of made my decision to uh, uh, go to college, and um, I chose Southern University. Um, I'm actually a third generation um, Southern University Jaguar. Um, my grandmother went to Southern University in the 70s, and then my mother and father met in um, at Southern University in uh, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, then um, I practically was conceived on campus. <laughs> so <laughs> Southern University is definitely always going to have a, a special spot in my heart. Um, but yeah, in 2010, um, I I decided to go to Southern University. Um, it was one of those schools on my list. Um, I had LSU on my list of schools, and then um, I also had Morehouse. I really wanted to go to Morehouse and play baseball, but it didn't fall through. So um, I ended up going to Southern University, um, majored in chemistry, um, graduated from Southern in 2015. Um, from there, um, I went to Preview, and I'm in, uh, out here in Houston. Then I got mm-hmm. my ma- my master's in chemical engineering. Uh, from Preview, I got my first job uh, out of college. Um, I'm, I've actually had maybe four internships before that, though, but this is my first real job. I got fed in West Virginia, Martinsburg, West Virginia, which was right outside of uh, DC, maybe 40 minutes. Um, so I got to experience that kind of life, which is which is very different from what I was used to experiencing uh, down south. And um, so you know I did that for about six months, and from there, um I got a job back down here in Houston as a uh, process engineer um, working in a chemical plant um, type environment refinery. Um, so basically, I convert um, m- natural gas into methanol and you know we use methanol for a lot of products. Um, they use them in our uh, trucks, cars, um used to make different plastics. Um, they're used to make formaldehyde, all kind of different things. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's It's a good job because you kind of know you're you're um, helping people with their everyday lives, whether they you know know it or not making different products and help making different chemicals that people use on a on a daily basis. And so uh, I've been in the Houston area for about six six years now um, since I came to Prairie View, and you know that's kind of where I'm at right now. Dope. So um,
0: third generation, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how how much did that uh, play a part in uh, your decision
1: to go to Southern? So that was that was pretty big. Um, you know, growing up in Louisiana, you, uh, you, you influenced by, uh, either Southern or Grammar in some way, somehow, like everybody has a family member that went to Gremlin. Everybody has a family member that went to Southern. So me being with my, uh, grandmother and mother and father going to Southern University, I was always surrounded by, uh, yellow and Columbia blue and, um, Jaguar paraphernalia. I was pretty much at every Bayou classic, um, uh, Every oh, year. yeah. so yeah, and then um, I can remember certain Bayou classics during Thanksgiving. Um, my mom would go to New Orleans, and she would leave me back home in Alexandria, and I would just always wonder why. But she you know she used to go party, go to the games, and at that time, mm-hmm. it just wasn't it just wasn't for um, kids at the time. So you know, at the, the time, of I was the about, whole family, right? It, I was about eight, nine, ten years old at the time, and so. You know, once I got of age, maybe like high school, um, I started to, you know, actually go to New Orleans and go to the games, go to the Bayou Classic. I started to experience um, that atmosphere that uh, people always talked about, that I always saw on TV as a youngster. And, you know, once it got time to, you know, pick a college, and that's always in the back of your head. Like, I want to be a part of that, uh, that family. I want to be a part of that university. I want to share that same excitement, though. So many people share at the Bayou Classic, you know, in the Superdome with seventy thousand people. I want to be actually part of it. So um, once, once I decided or was about to decide, you know, I just looked back all the all over the years, all those things I experienced, all the things my my parents taught me, all the stories they told me about their time at Southern University, and. You know, I just I just brought that to get, brought that together and and decided that I was going to attend Southern University and you know that was one of the best decisions I've uh, made in my life to this point. Nice, nice. Uh
0: So, how do you get into engineering or, chemi- or chemistry
1: uh chemistry? Okay, so I, I have an undergrad in chemistry and a, a master's in chemical engineering. So, chemical, yeah, yeah. It's two di- two different fields of okay. course. So um chemistry is more of uh, what you would see like a, a, a chemist in a lab do. And then what chemical engineers do, they take what the lab or the researchers do and they um they they scale it up to a larger scale. So the plants you see driving on the highway that they take the they take the, the stuff inside the lab and they turn it into what you might see on the highway on a larger scale. So just to kind of tell what the difference is. But growing up as a child, I was always a Dexter's Laboratory fan. And so, you know, watching... <laughs> like the cartoon? Right, right. Yeah. So okay. watching that watching that cartoon um, as a child, it just fascinated me. And, and I just excelled in, you know, math and science in school. And um, I was also interested in, like, Discovery Channel and, and National Geographic stuff like that. And uh, and just once it came down to it, uh, we also had like an engineering type program in high school that also was a big influence. And so, you know, when it came came down to it, I was always interested in chemicals mixing stuff, whether it be Kool-Aid in the house or, you know, sometimes I would help my grandfather do certain odd jobs and I would help mix paint. So I was always interested in those different chemicals. And So once I got to um, decide on a college then I, I you know i chose southern and wanted to go into chemistry so and, and what, what
0: about the the flip like since there's two different industries is it
1: right. is it similar or well as far, as far as chemistry and chemical engineering yeah uh it is
0: <laughs> it's different um because, like, it, when you go into it, like, do you have some background knowledge or just th- that was what the major that you
1: just wanted to do for your master's? Um, So I, I wanted to do chemical engineering when I was in undergrad, but Southern doesn't have um, chemical engineering as an option. We actually mm-hmm. have mechanical, electrical engineer, I mean, electrical technology, and I think civil engineering. But chemical wasn't one of the choices, so I actually got advised from my uh, advisor, like, hey, man, don't worry about that. Just, you know, go to uh, go to 100, get your chemistry degree, and then just go to grad school somewhere and get your chemical engineering degree. That way you'll have both um, both sets of knowledge in your head, and then you'll be way more marketable when it's time to, um, you know, start looking for a job. So, yeah, the, the two industries are... are really different um, then you have some similarities also um, like I said chemistry is more of in the lab and then chemical engineering is more than the plant so in in the uh, plant you're not going to see your actual uh, products or or the things that you're missing because they're inside of you know piping and and sometimes this stuff is um, dangerous to the to the human. Um, mm-hmm. Body, so we don't want to inhale anything or or stuff like that. But, so you wear a biohazard suit and stuff. Um, it it depends. So so if if I'm in my office, no, I'm just in regular uh, right. clothes. Um, but if I go into the plant and actually have to see these these certain pieces of equipment up close, then yeah, I wear like a um, what we call it FRC, which is like a fire hazard. It's a type suit, you know, with hard hats and and goggles and. Then we also have something called a shutdown or a turnaround where the plant, the, the, the chemical plant shuts down. You have to clean out the inside of those big old tanks and towers. Uh-huh. And so, so, sometimes we have to go inside of those uh, tanks and towers and you know clean stuff off. And we actually wear uh, what we call a Tyvek suit. Uh, the best way I can explain a Tyvek suit is if you haven't seen any pictures or, or videos of, of of the um, astronauts on the moon it's
0: uh-huh. kind
1: of it's kind of similar to what it is Dang. You know? right because we like really like face to face with these dangerous chemicals and we don't want to get it on our skin or yeah kind of, like that type of stuff so man it's a really fascinating uh, industry or job man so uh, you it's, it's different every day um chemistry is more repetitive like it's a set process. Um, and you're just trying to find the results. You're just trying to get results and analyze the results. Uh, chemical engineering is more problem solving. Like, oh man, we have a problem today. Um, this certain pressure is not uh, is out of range, or this certain temperature is out of range. Uh-huh. Uh, um, we got to use our uh, what we learned in school, the different formulas and stuff with that we come up with uh, the reynolds re- re- equation, the material balance equation. We have to figure out what's wrong um, at that certain time. And sometimes those um, equations that you use, it might not give you the exact answer, but you might be able to come up with like a, a graph or, or or some data and you you can kind of see and figure out what's going on compared to chemistry is, you know, you kind of already know what's going to happen. You just got to Show results and prove that it's gonna happen, you know like like just like you learned in a uh, high school like you just gotta prove your hypothesis um in chemical engineering the the hypothesis is, uh, your guess may not you you you're better off not guessing you're better off just doing you know the the different experiments
0: forms. T- right. kinda kind of yeah. testing what what has happened is right, that right is right
1: that along the lines. Yeah. Uh more of looking at the data and what the plant is giving you and trying to figure out where the problem is. That's oh, where okay. you're more better off is. So. Diagnostic. Yeah, pretty pretty much
0: like that. Yeah. Got you. So what what was your favorite experience at um Southern in your college years? So you got you got a long uh history <laughs> of of southern experiences, so you specifically, and when you in your time
1: in your undergrad, oh, man, I, I, I have done so much. Um, let me see. So I, I pledged, I pledged Omega in two thousand and eleven. That was a real good experience. Um, so sometimes people just pledge, you know, just to you know have popularity and stuff like that. But I actually took full advantage of. Um, Pledging at Southern, so once I pledged in 2011, um, you know I did a lot of community service on the yard. Um, I was um, NPHC president, um, so was basically responsible for all the Greek organizations on campus. Mm. And um, we organized so many different events. Uh, We uh, organized like this community service thing we did at the park where people brought canned goods and stuff like that. But once I finished with that position, I actually ran for one of the higher positions in the fraternity. So it was actually called International Undergraduate Representative to the uh, Supreme Council. So basically, I was over all the undergraduate omegas um, in the country. So in this position, I was traveling to different cities every two weeks while I was in school. Like, I was flying to New York. Um, I think I did a speech, like, right outside of New York in Connecticut. I flew to um, St. Louis. I did one at Lincoln. Um, university right there in Jefferson City. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whereas I-, I was going to Atlanta or Florida. You know, I was working with the. Uh, there's also a program though. us do out in Los Angeles. So, so it was a. It was a lot. I think one of the best experience I had in that role. Was, I mean, it was good working with the undergraduate uh, brothers, but um, we actually gave Muhammad Ali a uh, lifetime achievement award in 2015. And it was only about three or four of us that went to his uh museum in Louisville, Kentucky, the Ali uh museum, and mm-hmm. we gave him we gave him that award along with his wife. Um, she was there also, and I you know I got to take a picture with him. And this was maybe like six months before he passed away, so that was Dang, a for real? real yeah, that was a real awesome opportunity. And uh, you know, I just kind of I remember talking to his wife and. You know, telling her who I am, where I'm from, what school I went to, and she kind of, uh, she kind of hinted, like, yeah, I, I, you know, I heard of southern, you know, I used to watch the Body Classic on TV and and all that kind of good, good stuff, and that just kind of warmed my heart to, you know, just know, you know, my school, the brand is just well known around the country like that. So, um, yeah, I've met a a, a lot of uh, famous brothers also, Stephen A. Smith, Steve Harvey, Shaquille mm-hmm. O'Neal. Um, who else um, Ben crump who was the civil rights lawyer yeah right that's now.
0: my dude have you yeah. read his
1: book uh no I have not read his book but yeah, I to read so. that much yeah yeah that was pretty dope um, who else who else there's so many people I've what is with.
0: so I I my struggle with and like I, uh, everything that I do is is around is, is evolved around teaching people about success, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I I focus on the younger generations all the time, or younger younger people, young adults, right? Because mm-hmm. they're gonna be the future, um, and expanding their 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 knowledge, or not, not expanding their expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, because the environment is not necessarily conducive to, um, dreaming big or thinking big or anything like that. So when you met these people, um, how did that, uh, it did that expand the, the expectations for yourself as well? You was already moving up. We could, we could see that, um, as far as leadership positions, uh, mm-hmm. progressively getting um, more responsibilities and taking on more responsibilities, so uh, we can see that like you was progressing. But for somebody that 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 doesn't necessarily understand that process or hasn't, you know, uh, gotten to that point yet to where they progress, 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 and like, what was it like? meeting these uh famous people knowing that they had lots of money or um fame and stature for long periods of time um did you feel any type of way like did it did you get like it, um pride thing you know like i could do this i i could be there or i can make change in the world
1: yeah it it, it definitely was a uh, pride thing uh so once you meet these people, you you, and you have like real just one on one, just life conversations, like when like behind closed doors, just sitting down together. So, um, you know, meeting Steve Harvey, that was a that was a real big thing. And so he, he's a down to earth guy. I know people see him on TV and, and think, oh, he's just this funny character and you know, of whatnot, but once you just sit down and talk to him, talk to him about life, you know, how he came up um, in the industry and you 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 get that vibe like, hey man, I can really do anything I wanna do as long as I put my mind to it. Not only can you put your mind to it, but now you're building that network, um, just in case you you, you may want you might wanna do something that Steve has, you know, been been through already. You you have that uh, network to reach out to or or maybe you have an idea maybe maybe he might want to invest in your idea and so now you, you're just building that big old network that you'll always have those resources to reach out to and so you know meeting these people you know I get to take pictures with them and all that kind of stuff and you know I, I, I'm a real avid user of the Instagram and Facebook so you know, posting yeah. these pictures. Go posting ahead, plug
0: plug your Instagram. What is it?
1: <laughs> my Instagram is TaylorMadeQ. It's Q U E underscore TaylorMade. So, How you spell Taylor? T A Y L O R M A D E Q U E underscore. And you know, I like posting. I like posting these pictures and. You know, a lot of people from back home, um, where I come from, in Alexandria, follow me on social media. A lot of the younger kids too on, on social, on Instagram and Facebook. So
0: mm-hmm. these
1: younger kids, people who came behind me, they're seeing all these great opportunities I'm getting. They see how they see how I'm advancing in, you know, college. They see how I'm doing in the fraternity, meeting these people, and you know, I just want to be that. That uh that inspiration to, the, to those people back home and, you know, showing that, you know, you, you don't always have to resort to, you know, staying home or, or working at a, you know, McDonald's type job or something. Not that those jobs are that bad though, but you can always expand your horizon. And I just want to be that pillar of hope for, you know, people back home just to, uh, you know, do more than you think you're capable of. You got to step out your comfort zone sometimes because, you know, being stuck in your comfort zone, it'll leave you in the same spot. And, you know, people get discouraged when they're in the same spot for a long time. And, uh-huh. you know, right. Uh-huh. And I just I had to branch out myself. Like I said earlier, my first job was in West Virginia, where it is it, it, not too much melanin. Um, and, and, <laughs> How was that was, experience? It, it, it was real different, man. You know, you walk in stores, people kind of give you that look in that part of West Virginia, you only see mixed people, and then you see white people. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, it seems like <laughs> it seems like maybe the white people go to D.C., and then they breed with the black people, then come back out there to West Virginia. <laughs> it it, it,
0: it <laughs> <They> breeds.
1: <laughs> My bad for using that word. But nah,
0: it's funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, and then, uh, they just come back out to West Virginia and live their life, but it was different. Um, I'm glad I get to tell that story, you know. And and like I said, you know, showing these people back home a different experience of what we came out of, uh, and I think uh just you know posting different pictures of me up there in West Virginia, DC area, you know, people get to see a different different um, type of environment that we're used to seeing. So. Um, I think up in the area I was in, we we had a we had a lot of mountains and stuff. So I would post different pictures of mountains and stuff on my uh, Instagram story. You know, a lot of people would kind of comment on the uh, pictures and stuff and just be like, "Wow!" or "Man, I ain't never seen nothing like that before." And you know, that's just one of the one of the things I look forward to a lot is just showing people different parts of the country, different parts of the world. So, yeah, nice, nice.
0: Um. So uh, you, uh, back to the the white thing mm-hmm. is because it, I it's a, it's our reality. Like we have to interact with in in our world in reality, right? And I tell people all the time, like yeah, other people might might not see color or whatever, but we have to deal with. The reality of life and the way we move and how we interact with people and um and I I I think that Black people are always are African American whatever you want to call us mm-hmm. are it, we are supposed to be where we're supposed to be right mm-hmm. and, and no matter if you the only you are supposed to be there that doesn't say that doesn't mean. Um, conform to the the culture the organization culture wherever that that environmental culture is but we have to be unique in our own selves when we step into these these different arenas Mm -hmm. and like i grew up in an all white school all white church all of that stuff and uh so like I, i i saw i was immersed in the culture so um i saw the way they treated people outside besides me and um like I was an athlete and a pretty good athlete so um they treated me a little bit different kind of like Colin Kaepernick a a lot of the white people that I talked to they like oh he grew up in in such a great neighborhood and you know with white parents and how can he do this and that I'm like but he had a different experience, so you we can see that once we, we we see the difference. Like, yeah, I'm a top athlete, but my friend over here he ain't. But you treat him differently than me, so okay. there's something there, you know. So, like, it, it, w- w- did you come from a um like a, a all black background or not background, but like environment where like your school is majority?
1: minority or black oh yeah most definitely uh so i went to i went to i went to all well i ain't gonna say all white it was a mixed elementary school but junior high and high school i went to um, all black schools and um then i went to southern all black went to Prairie view all black (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i was just pretty much all black all black all my life and uh, then heading up to west virginia boom culture shock you know Yes, I mean I uh, grew up around white people, played baseball with white people, so it, it was no no problem, um, you know, right. communicating with them. But just the lack of dark melanin people, mostly white, some mixed people, was just kind of different. And um, like you said earlier, some people don't see color. And my experiences in West Virginia was yeah, I kind of felt that vibe, like. They didn't really care about color. uh, you know, they was just really more into um, doing a job and going home which was very different from you know down south where you know you 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 communicate with um, white people with different races, but you know there's always that um, that i guess racist factor or, or prejudice factor that comes into it more down south than you do up north. So um I think um uh, I think when I went up to West Virginia, Matt, I was kind of uh I would say I guess more uh, I would shut out people, um, uh, you know, kinda of not trying to be friendly because, you know, just as we talk down south, you know, you know, everybody ain't your friend. So but I had to learn quickly, like you know, some some of those people up there—they're really just genuine people trying to be your friend and you know trying to mm-hmm. you know, help you all do your work. So, but yeah, just being around you know all blacks all my life just kind of, uh, kind of made me act like that when I went up there. So that that's just that was just a, a good experience, you know. When I come back home, I tell people, I'm like, man, you know, I, I really realized that all all people not racist.
0: Some people not
1: racist, right? (laughs) Um, Even though you might, you might want to, you know, don't put it behind anybody, but, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always, always
0: know, uh, that they could be a little bit in there, Um, right? I mean, you don't have to talk about this, but I mean, I just, I think it's interesting the dynamic that we're in as far as the United States is concerned, um, and there's a, I mean, we. Like I said, it's it's our reality. Like we got to deal, and and what I what I talk to most about with anybody is our um, intentional interactions with the other. Mm-hmm. So if we go black versus white, or not versus, but like black and white, right? Right. And you look at our frame of reference in each of those categories. So white. And white going uh, intentional interactions with black people, black in- intentional interactions with white people, like it's always been kind of like a, a separate thing, and we haven't had those real interactions with, uh, as far as like immersing ourselves in their culture type of thing, right? And, and- th- them and us and us and them, right?
1: Yeah, and and, and and sometimes it might be hard. Like I said, when I went up there, that was my first, first time living in a predominantly white environment. But going back to my HBCU experience, you know, I've done four different four different internships. Uh, when I was at Southern, I was Southern Southern and Prairie View, Actually, they they're really blessed to have a. Uh, very dynamic career fair, especially for STEM people like chemists, uh, engineers, all different fields of engineering. So we have big companies like Shell, Chevron, Exxon, um, uh, Monsanto, what's that out there in Kansas City? Uh, Honeywell, Honeywell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You have big companies like those at career fair. So I was always immersed in the career fair. You know, you come up to these recruiters which are, most of them are white, some of them are black. Um, and you just gotta really sell yourself no matter who it was. And, you know, me, me selling myself, I was, um, the opportunity to do these particular internships. My, I did an internship in Houston with Shell. I did one in Cincinnati at GE Aviation. I was in St. Louis with, uh, Monsanto, which is now, uh, I think Bayer. And then, um, I was also in the Louisiana area. So working on these different internships, you know, the melanin is definitely not there. So um, using my HBCU background and, and um, using what, I, what I've what done at Southern Ann Purview just with communicating people, I was um, I was real ahead of the game once I got on the internship. I was a- able to commute, communicate well with, you know, my supervisors, my peers. I was able to get projects and I was able to work with, you know, groups and teams of people just from off uh, you know, um, my experiences at uh, at my HBCU, you know, having that position with um being an NPHC president, um, you know, working with my different classmates in the chemistry and the engineering department, all of these lessons learned, you know, learning in school, you're definitely going to carry out into the workforce and work field. And uh, those opportunities really helped me out once I, you know, got on these internships and also my full-time job. So,
0: were you uh were you conscious of it as you was going through it? Like hey, conscious of? Were you conscious of like, hey, this is gonna be a valuable experience for me.
1: Like the internship.
0: Yeah, internships and just uh oh. dealing with people, people in general. Because when I was in school, like I uh I kind of I was shy all throughout, like um like my life all the way up into college and then I was like if if I want not do what I I want to do I'm gonna have to interact with people on and and become more friendly uh, not that I wasn't friendly but like <laughs> <laughs> more open quicker and um be able to communicate and you know become friends or or whatever quicker right. and um like I, yeah. I, I had to put myself in those positions to to come out of my my shell. So I, I got a, a summer job um, as a waiter because I had to talk to people and I had to talk to strangers type of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so like it, it, was those internships like were you just trying to find yourself or find what you like to do? Cause you did four of them. Not a
1: lot of people do four of them. Yeah. Uh. So I was in school a total uh, what seven years between undergrad and grad school. So, um, but no, I, I wasn't trying to find myself. I definitely was already an outgoing person and, and loved to talk to people and was very friendly. Uh, you know, in college. So, um, I was just trying to uh, get different experiences in different uh arenas and fields. Um, you know. Like I uh, like I said, um, I got an internship in oil and gas, aviation, um, specialty chemicals, or, or agriculture if you want to call it that. Um, what else was it? Uh, the steel industry, and then mm-hmm. right now, right now I'm working in uh, specialty chemicals. I was also in consumer goods when I was at Procter Gamble, so um, making shampoo, Pantene, you know that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I uh I definitely um thought of those opportunities as, as a way to, you know, work on my networking skills, communication skills. Even though I feel like they were already superior, I could always, you know, grow in that opportunity. Um, so in these different internships, you're in the same room as the Harvard, the Stanford, the UCLA, the Michigan, hey, all, these, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all these top engineering schools, MIT. So you have to do your best. You know, we already, uh, we already got one strike being from HBCU. So you already gotta be ahead of your game. You already gotta have um, that knowledge plus more, and you 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 gotta excel over everyone else that's in the room. And I think I did a great job of that on my internships and, and showing what I got compared to you know the the other top uh, engineering schools that um, that were in the room with me. So uh, you know I wasn't gonna be. I wasn't gonna be the one in the room that was, you know, I always looked at it as didn't know the right information, or or people was talking about in school. So you know, I'm always gonna shine bright like a diamond. So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, shine bright like a diamond.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's that's dope, man. I mean, I it took me seven years to get my master's degree too. Um, and shoot. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it was it, it wasn't tough but i like i put in work like i i mean i was a, a student i was an athlete i was involved in a, a four-year organization that certifies non-profit professionals mm-hmm. i was a what resident is your team? <laughs> uh it's called missouri valley college it's a nai school um, okay. here like in missouri okay
1: okay what city uh, is it in
0: it's in Marshall, Missouri.
1: Marshall, Missouri. Okay, never heard of it.
0: Yeah, it's it's like right in between Kansas City and Columbia. Um, okay, so you know where Mizzou is, our the University yeah. of Missouri. Yeah, it yeah. was
1: about an hour from uh, with Jefferson City, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was a small town, uh, and like dudes was it, it was mostly a sports school. They give uh, scholarships to a lot of uh, people that play NAIA sports or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, a mixed group of people all, all throughout school. Um, but, like, we had people that wouldn't go to class. And I'm like, dude, we, we are in the middle of nowhere. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> Playing PlayStation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Stuff like
0: that. And I was like, I play PlayStation I played for a long time too, right. but I'm still going to class. Like we ain't do like we somebody paying for it.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> and that that's one of the things I learned. uh, Especially my freshman, my best friend was my roommate. My freshman, sophomore year, we had a distinct schedule. Like we would go to class in the morning, go to lab, we'll do our homework for maybe an hour. You know, after class from like three to four, maybe um, we'll go to the cab then. After the calf, we'll probably play the Xbox for an hour, then we back to studying, man. And, you know, all our teachers were very serious in, you know, the stuff that they taught us and the material that they taught us. So we had to adjust, you know. We had to figure out a way to get stuff done and and come up with a schedule. And that's just kind of the balanced schedule we came up with, you know. We'll be serious the first half of the day, you know, eat, and then, you know, have some downtime with playing a video game, and back to studying, and, and that's just one of the ways we grinded through the uh through that HBCU experience. Right, right. So, uh,
0: you are the reason why we're here. You, you, the co- a co-author of the upcoming book that's coming out in June uh, of uh, the Southern at uh, the HBCU experience movement. The Southern Edition, right? Yes, I don't right. know if that's the exact the exact title, but uh, talk, What do you talk about in without giving us everything? What do you talk
1: about in your chapter? Oh uh, man, I so I kind of I I talk about from beginning to my HBCU experience at Southern from beginning to end. So my HBCU experience starts way back, like in the seventies. Like when my grandmother um, first started uh, um, going to Southern University and, and I talk about, you know, my parents, how they met and, you know, just the influence they had on me growing up and, you know, me um, choosing Southern University as a school, you know, I talk about different aspects of um, being in college as far as Greek life and, and uh, you know, the different experiences I've had with, uh, you know, internships. And, and um, different leadership positions I've had throughout college. And, you know, how college has basically prepared me for the uh, workforce and, you know, the job I do today. And so I just kind of give like a, a, a background of um, the, the good things of uh, what I've done all my life based on my HBCU experience. I even get in, into like the sports aspect of it, you know, how, um, you know, I was interested in baseball, how Southern has, you know, one of the best HBCU. The, excuse me, the best HBCU baseball program in the country and how that had an influence on me also, attending Southern University also. So, man, I, I I dig into a lot of different topics. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I dig into, you know, Bayou Classic and <laughs> how people in Louisiana uh, you know, have Thanksgiving and then they start beefing with their other fa- family members who went to grammar. Um, a side note, man, I always like, when I was in college, I always hated, like, people from Gramlin. like, I really didn't like them, like, it's a big rivalry, but, and I kind of had some hate in my heart, because <laughs> I just never liked them, I think they beat us a couple of times while I was in college, and we beat them also, but, you know, um, after graduating, it's just, it's so strange, uh, uh, I started to meet more, more and more Gramlin people when I moved back to Texas, and, you know, now I can say that they they some of the coolest people I know. So they are, huh? They are, they I mean, they they not they not southern. I mean, you know, education wise, <laughs> athletic wise. I mean, they got Eddie Robinson, but that's probably it. And, but everything, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's issue, issue, issue on top of everything. You know, we just won the SWAC uh, 2021 SWAC baseball championship uh, on Sunday. So um, that'll be our thirty third. SWAC Championship. Um, dang. Championship.
0: You know what? I remember playing like uh the basketball video game with the uh the NCAA yeah. and I used to put my player on uh HBCU and be in those conferences. And, <laughs> and build a team up. <laughs> and build a team on it. Uh, so,
1: that's crazy you say that. That was one of the games we used to play back in my uh, freshman, sophomore year. That was back when Kentucky had, like, Eric Leto and John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins all on the same team. So, I mean, we probably talking about the same game,
0: the same college yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I, I didn't uh, – HBCUs didn't mean anything. I, I'm a little mm-hmm. bit older than you. Uh, so I graduated in '02. Okay. So and she, my school wasn't talking nothing. They didn't even talk to me about regular college for real, for real. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> HBCUs wasn't really in my my realm of thinking because it, I was I'm a first generation um, college, college graduate, college graduate, college student,
1: pretty much. That's what's up. Uh, I, at Prairie View, man, it's a lot of people from Kansas City that go to Prairie View. You know, really? I, I, Yeah, man. I always ask everybody I know from Kansas City. I'm like, how y'all get down here? But then I realized Prairie View is probably the biggest HBCU that's closest to Kansas City. I mean, you got Lincoln, which that's a small school, and then you got Langston. That's a small school, too. Yeah. So, um, Prairie View is probably the biggest city, biggest HBCU and the biggest city closest to Kansas City. So, a lot of, like, literally a lot of those um, people at Purview from Kansas City. Is Purview a good school? All
0: right. oh. It ain't Southern. We know that.
1: Come on. Oh, no, man. <laughs> uh, homecoming. See, people from PV, they think their homecoming is good because they have a lot of RVs for homecoming that one game a year. But out of, little do they know Southern people, we do that every home game of the football season. Not just one game, not just homecoming, and so I got I try to get that <laughs> through their skulls, but they don't want to listen. But um, one good thing is we play preview and home homecoming this year, so they'll get an opportunity to see this up live and in person. Um, but preview is a good school. Um, SU is a good school. Um, Southern Air Prairie View have one of uh, some of the top engineering um, HBCU programs in the country, along with North Carolina A and T, and that's one of the big reasons why I went to preview because that's one of the uh, top uh, engineering programs in the country. And then it was in the Houston area, so I was always interested in the oil and gas industry, so it only made sense to go there. So, yeah.
0: But but um,
1: besides that, man, it's, it's, you, it's you to the death of me, man. Every Greek life, uh, social life, uh, campus life, everything is on, on top of PV, on, <laughs> on top of the whole swag, man. So, that's
0: dope man i I mean I got pride in my school but not that type <laughs> of pride you know what <laughs> I mean? like every everybody I talked to i I mean I met uh a dude before the the guy that connected me to uh to the hbcu experience movement mm-hmm. uh it, he he went to an hbcu and you know, he got Aggie Pride and stuff like that. And I, shout out to Jay Jay Allen with the uh financial uh uh
1: credit credit restoration businesses and mm-hmm. everything that he doing. Um so A and T are kinda like southern people. We both arrogant about our school group. Uh-huh. Kinda, both got a lot of pride. We almost got the same colors. I mean our colors look a little better with Columbia blue and gold. I think there's a navy blue and um uh, Go so um but you know southern you know is, is always uh, the upper echelon over anything you know the better band better school better atmosphere and so <laughs> A&T is another school that think um they got a nice little homecoming too um I think A&T's homecoming is more commercialized if, if that is a word or commercialized I'll say that yeah uh, our homecoming is more natural down home, alumni, barbecuing, barbecuing all different types of meats <laughs> uh, from chicken to hamburgers to alligator. Then, you know, Southern is in a black neighborhood. So you got the whole hood is at home coming to. So it's just one big family type atmosphere. But um dang yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to
0: uh, that's going to be a part of my my uh, retirement tour when I retire from the education <laughs> next year, I <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to do a, a, a homecoming.
1: Uh, 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 i am just hit, hit some of the homecomings every year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely an experience, man. And, and it's just something you can tell your kids, you can tell your, your kids you teach and, and that, that'll be one of the things that probably, um, uh, that helps them make the decision to want to go to an HBCU, right? It, right. You know, it, go ahead. Everybody has a different HBCU experience or whatever. So, uh, you know, just traveling to different different schools and different uh, campuses, you know, it'll give you a different aspect and a different uh, thought process on, you know, how HBCUs operate and how they go and how that's just really one big old. Family reunion when it comes to like dating and stuff like
0: that. So that that's the that's the common theme that I hear. Family reunion, family reunion. Because I was supposed to go, I was supposed to chaperone, um, the HBCU, uh, like week, and we was gonna go to uh, visit the colleges. Mm -hmm. Um, it it was like six or eight of them in a week, and uh, but. COVID happened, so I didn't get to <laughs> I didn't get to go with them that year. Okay,
1: that would have been your first opportunity to get a chaperone? Yeah, that would have been my first opportunity. Okay, yeah, like, um, so going to HBCU in the springtime, excuse me, you'll see, that's all you'll see is charter buses uh, going in and out of campus during the springtime of different groups of students from all parts of the uh, country coming to visit on the same type of uh, uh, trips, HBCU visits. So, you know, I, uh, so as as one of the things when you come on the HBCU tour, they give you a tour of campus, of course. And then we have like our big st- Omega Stone in the middle of campus. So students will always walk by and, um, you know, we kind of talk to the students and you know see where they're from, you know, people from Atlanta, oh, uh, Miami, geez. New York, Los Angeles, that was one of the, um, more, uh, more popular cities. And we just kind of talk to them and, you know, tell them about our Greek experiences and stuff like that. So, um, I'm definitely fam- kind of familiar with the, uh, Greek, uh, I mean, the HBCU, uh, college tours. Tours, Yeah. yeah. So,
0: I, I, I'm i going to respect your time. You're you probably a busy man, just like I am. So, uh, <laughs> uh, can you give us some, some words of wisdom, some encouragement to uh, my listeners, our listeners?
1: Oh, man, some words of encouragement. Um, man, so one of the big things I, I, I've learned uh, at, at my HBCU and during my HBCU experience is to you know, always be a go-getter. You know, one of the big uh, things we learn at HBCU is getting your financial aid done. You know, financial aid can be a hassle sometimes because you got to get school paid for. And and sometimes you go to financial aid and they say you need this documentation from this person and uh, you got to run all over campus. And so that just teaches you how to be a go-getter, how to find the uh, correct sources that you need to, and so, having this um, this skill will help you in a you know workplace environment because sometimes you'll come across different problems you're not gonna know the answer to so you go have to go find people who might can give you some uh, feedback and help you get the answer and so um, that's one of the things that's helped me um, in my current job today is just learning how to reach out and use my network of people and go and figure out what the answer is and how to get the answer so um, if I could if I could leave people with anything is you know, how to go get a mentality and you know, use the resources to get stuff done and get problems solved. So, yeah.
0: Execution.
1: <laughs> Execution. Yes, <sir>. that's... <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> and, and you
0: can't wait till the last minute. No, I mean, we, we always do, like, not we always, but um, we tend to, to fall back into that, uh, that procrastination mode when we don't know uh, the the outcome what the outcome is supposed to be. So yeah, I got financial aid paperwork that I need to do, but I don't know exactly how it's gonna turn out. So I'm a I'm i I'm a wait on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because I was an admissions counselor too. So as a graduate assistant, so so I I was like, man, let's just get it done. Like yeah, this is what it's gonna be. Like it's it's small little steps. That that's one of the success points is is it's those small little steps that's going to put you in position to be successful and if you ain't got your financial aid you ain't gonna be in school the the next semester so right um, that that those little things add up and if we procrastinate we ain't gonna get there so being a go-getter is is 100 true so uh the book comes out um in June, please go get it. My man Al, yes, Al man Al Jones is, is the man. Four internships. <laughs> I ain't never heard of that. I did one <laughs> and I was like, dang, 300 hours. I ain't I ain't trying to do the NSM. Go master. get it. Go get it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a true definition of a go-getter. So if you got any uh you got the Instagram at TaylorMade, taylor made t-a y l o r my last name is taylor tailor made underscore uh, go check him out he he, he got some good pictures uh, he probably <laughs> needs to uh un um uh on private yep <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: people more likely to follow if you if you're on um, private but uh I appreciate you coming on my, my podcast. I'm a, I'm gonna get this up and out as soon as possible.
1: I appreciate you, man. You know, I always remember, you know, Southern University, the upper echelon of HBCU. So go Jag! shout out to uh, Southern University 2021 SWAC Champions baseball team. Um and in the fall we coming for the SWAC Championship too in football and also the celebration ball. So you other HBCUs better watch out because it's tough on the bluff. <laughs> alright my
0: man I appreciate yeah. you man
1: I appreciate it brother Yep. have a good one right. you too
0: thanks for listening to this episode of the success of my religion podcast make sure you go get the HBCU experience movements new book out on Amazon make them a, uh, the best selling authors this time again uh, I Go get that book, the HBCU Experience, the Southern University System Edition. It it is great. The co-authors are great. You heard it. Go get it. Talk to you soon.